You're a fucking liberal piece of shit. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Hashtag third episode, everybody. Thank you for joining us and welcome to episode 332 of I Doubt It with Dalamore, your listener-supported, listener-produced podcast. A sitting across from me, the lovely lady and co-host, don't forget co-host, Brittany Page. Happy Monday. <laughs> Happy Monday, everybody. Mm-hmm. Traffic and weather to gather on the aids right here at the I Doubt It with Dalibor show. I don't know why that's happening. I don't know, Happy Monday just seems like a fucking wacky morning zoo kind of a way to start the show. Well, I usually, my godfather always texts me Happy Friday on Friday. Oh. And so I have kind of stolen that from him. And I always greet everyone at work on Fridays with Happy Friday. And they laugh at me, and I figure <laughs> I should start celebrating Monday as well, not just the end of the week. Why only Monday? Why not you Tuesday You're and right. Wednesday? That's a great point. Every day is, an, is deserving of celebration. That is true. And it's if a that's, fact. If that's the way you celebrate, you're a, a party girl. <laughs> Happy oh, Monday. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> really getting it done. You are getting it done. Mm-hmm. This weekend, Brittany Page, or was it just yesterday? Uh-huh. Let, me, let me say this. Brittany has a tendency, and it is it is an appreciated tendency, to pull me back from the brink on Twitter all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I'll run a tweet by her. If, if you follow me on Twitter, at Dollamore. There are many times, there's lots of tweets that don't get sent because I'll get fired up and I'll want to send a tweet that's more aggressive. We'll just say it very delicately. More aggressive than, than Brittany would think would be appropriate for me to send. Mm-hmm. And she often said, you know, you can't. You're making me sound like a bummer. No, right no. Now. I think it's appropriate. No, no. No, sometimes we we have terse communication about it. Uh-huh. But in retrospect, looking back after I've calmed down, you always give sage advice. It's always welcome. Mm. Cuz you you've saved me many times from really being an asshole. Okay. On Twitter. So where are we going with this? Well, we're going to Keith Olbermann. Mm-hmm. Whom I like, who actually just unblocked me oh, on good. Twitter. I don't know why I was even fucking blocked by Keith Olbermann. Probably those radical tweets that I didn't have a chance to. <laughs> Stop. Sorry yeah, about that, Keith. That 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 could that could very w- well be it. Just uh, flying off the handle. I'm looking for the tweet right now. Well, I'll just say this. <laughs> Betsy DeVos, our education secretary here in the United States tweeted something about the the hurricane in Houston, Hurricane Harvey, about how the the Department of Education was on top of it and they were they were fixed, you know, the schools are going to be ready and blah blah blah. And he tweeted back something about I wish I could find the fucking tweet. 
Here, let me just search for the word. I've got it right here. He retweeted (laughs) Betsy DeVos, and she said, Our prayers are with all those in the path of Hurricane Harvey. Uh, U.S. EdGov stands ready to assist impacted schools. And he retweeted it and said, The hurricane is going to do less damage to schools than you are, motherfucker. (laughs) And motherfucker is capitalized. Yes. Very Trump-esque. Which is interesting. It uh, he could have he could have been he would have been well served had he had a Britney Page there to curb that impulse. The tweet is doing quite well. <laughs> so maybe I need to take a page out of the Alberman playbook. You know, I don't know. It's a tough balance because you. I, I don't know it. I I struggle with all this stuff. Right? It's. This line of professionalism and being a reasonable person, but then also being be, part of being reasonable is being outraged by the bullshit. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. So it's kind of hard to remain. It's like having a facade of professionalism. If you're just, oh, yes, Betsy DeVos, uh-huh, I'm going to treat you like you're a reasonable person um, yeah. when, when she's not. So uh, there's a line, and I don't know where it is. But I don't be- call people cunt on Twitter anymore. Anymore. Well, I used to get. I, <laughs> I get. Well, it's my impulse all the time. Mm. I would just. We just had Professor <laughs> it's Nick. My, it's my impulse all the time. We just had your former professor, and he's been a guest on the show. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Nick Jones over, and I was telling him that I, I go through periods where I just want to unplug because. I get so frustrated with the Trumps and the Kellyanne Conway types and all of these liars that we're constantly being bombarded by. And I just want to freak out and call them names because it's a visceral. It's not rational. It might not even be reasonable. Right. But it's it's my natural shut down lizard brain wanting to kick in and take over. So I'm not one to talk anymore because I literally used a parrot gif in a debate online a week ago. Meaning so, someone is just parroting talking points yeah, or I'm, repeating what they hear. I'm quickly deteriorating into a troll. <laughs> but I I typically err on the side of professionalism and being a reasonable person because that's what speaks to people ultimately and and changes hearts and minds. And that actually happened to me today on Twitter where where I was trying to have a back and forth with someone, which is not possible. Just stop doing it on On, Twitter. On Twitter. 140 characters isn't getting it done. It was not getting it done. And I was talking to someone who I, I had been kind of getting this general sense from them that they were, um, not necessarily a Trump supporter, but a Trump advocate, I yeah. guess. And a foreigner. Yes. And um it, it was like Confederate tweets. There were things that were leading up to to it. And then ultimately she tweeted directly about Trump. And so I addressed it. How she was sick of everyone whining and crying and attacking Trump. Yeah. Yeah. So I responded. And it just was clear that I was not going to be able to say what I wanted to say in 140 characters at a time. So I private messaged her and the whole conversation changed. It was, you know, she was asking me for an article and I didn't think that an article would help because that's all I do is post articles. (laughs) 
<laughs> and um, actually, that did help. I, I was able to give her some information. She didn't know it. And she was like, wow, I really need to look more into this. So being reasonable and approaching people in that way, I think, is what makes a difference. Now, calling Betsy DeVos a motherfucker is funny. And I don't think he's trying to change yeah, her heart or her mind. For sure, that's not the case. Um, it could possibly interfere with his ability to reach people that support her, though. And I think that might be a problem. Um, but like I said, this is all messy and we're trying to figure it out. And in this day and age where you can post things on the internet and it's there forever, I think it's better to try. No, that's to be reasonable. That is for sure. That's why I said in retrospect, looking back, there's never been a, it's it's kind of like when you're on your deathbed, what do you regret? And you're not like, oh, I wish I would have sent those tweets. <laughs> it's never going to be the case. Yeah. You know what I mean? In the scope of, of really what's important. And also, and that might be comparing two things that are wildly incongruent or relative to importance, but it's also just about messaging. Like you just said, if I'm mm -hmm. trying to change hearts and minds, there's one thing being funny. Yeah. Like I made a tweet about somebody's looks. Oh, I said that Steve Bannon looks like uh, Richard Spencer if he had been stung by 10,000 bees in the neck and face. Mm -hmm. And somebody said, hey, well, why are you talking about his looks? I'm like, come on. I'm being funny. I can be funny, too. I can make a funny tweet. Mm -hmm. And if I make somebody, some fun of somebody's looks who's a monster, not looks-wise, but a monster in their heart, then eh, I'm, gonna, I'm taking a mulligan on this one. Mm-hmm. Rennie doesn't agree. I, I, I don't... I honestly don't know how I feel. So yeah. Is it okay that I don't have yeah, an course, opinion about everything? Of course, of course. Of course it's okay. I'm not actually asking you if it's okay. How I, dare you? I forgive and I give you permission to think that mm. way. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, You're great. welcome, mm. Brittany Page. Yes. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. All right, let's, <laughs> let's move on. I think we got an email. And then we'll get into this full force with both hands reaching right in and yanking out the good stuff. How's that? That was a fair attempt at stalling for me. Thank you. <laughs> um, this is from Michael. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, what do you think of the rumors of Kasich and Hickenlooper doing a 2020 run against Trump? Kasich has said many times he doesn't want to run, but with the Trump administration getting crazier by the day, I think he might change his mind. I don't know. What do you two think? Well, uh, Hickenlooper is the Colorado governor. John Kasich, of course, is the Ohio governor. Kasich is a Republican. Hickenlooper is a Democrat. And they're working together right now on an Obamacare patch and how the states are kind of dealing with the Trump administration pulling out the rug. And actually, Kasich, we don't even have to give our opinion. Kasich answered this when um, talking to Chuck Todd this weekend. Obviously, there was a, 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 some fun speculation about 2020 bubbling up. And the idea, you mentioned John Hickenlooper, the governor of Colorado, that you, you two are working together trying to come up with a bipartisan fix here on these state exchanges and, 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 and the health care law in general. Uh, and somebody floated the idea that it could be a 2020 unity ticket. Are you... Could you imagine yourself <laughs> leaving the Republican Party to do something like this? Yeah. Uh, Chuck, look, 
Kasich Hickenlooper. You couldn't fig- First of all, you couldn't pronounce it. And secondly, you couldn't fig- <laughs> fit it on a bumper sticker. But here's what I do want to say. Because Hickenlooper and I are working. Just because you no, can't fit it on a bumper no. sticker. The answer is no. <laughs> okay. And here's what I, I do want people to think about this. Because Hickenlooper and I work together, cynics out there say, well, they want something. Because we want to stabilize health care and make sure that poor people have something, people assume there's a motive. You know, sometimes people actually do things because they're trying to help somebody. And when we do that, everybody ought not to say, well, what's in it for them? This growing cynicism eats at the fabric of the spirit mm. of our country. It's not, it really aggravates. Not much that aggravates me, that does. So the answer is no. Well, we all know how politicians always tell the truth. <laughs> so. so you're saying this could be... It could be still a thing. I think it still could be a thing. Well, I mean, who knows? But just because he denied it doesn't mean it's not going to yeah. happen. Except for the fact that the the reason this rumor got floated, it got started on Twitter. Somebody of note said this could be what's going on. And uh, I think it's just them, two active governors trying to get something done for their states and maybe lead the country into a, a better way of dealing with it. It doesn't mean they, they have machinations of, of higher political office. I mean, obviously, Kasich wouldn't mind that. He did run for president this last time. But it doesn't mean they're going to have a unity ticket. Uh, but know, let's say that they were. Would that be a good thing? Uh, yeah. Look, I, I thought I thought when there were rumors that uh, John McCain in 2008, rather than picking a human speed bump, Sarah Palin... There was talk that he might pick Joe Lieberman, a Democrat, at the time independent, but caucused with the Democrats, Mm -hmm. to run on his ticket. And uh, I thought that was a great, even at the time, I thought that was a great idea. Um, This kind of thing seems so rare, though, even when um, there was talk of, well, will Bernie be Hillary's pick for VP? Um, it was out of the question. Yeah, I mean, she, no one even entertained that she idea. She fucking blew it on that one. And yeah, from my perspective, that seemed like it might have been a good choice. Whether or not he would have done that, I don't know. But it just seems like a rare thing that shouldn't be a rare thing because it could be so beneficial. Yeah. Well, the, relative to that, and I don't want to open up that whole can of worms. I I think ultimately, look, there. I think there's downside to it as well to, to her have possibly picking Bernie Sanders, but all all in all, it would have been a net positive. And I think the election very well could have turned out differently. So, all right. Well, thank you for the email. We appreciate it very much. Listen, if you would like to sound off, if you'd like to ask a question, communicate with the show, let us know. Send us a message. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. So before we move on, obviously the world knows because of the the 24-7 wall-to-wall news coverage about it, that Hurricane Harvey has hit, uh, aggressively hit the Gulf Coast. Houston, Category 4 hurricane, quickly downgraded to Tropical Storm, Category 3, Category 2, Category 1, Tropical Storm. Um, and they are in dire straits right now. Within the next few hours, they're going to be receiving another 20 to 25 inches of rain in no time at all. They say they're getting a year's worth of rain in just fewer than, than seven days. And the death toll just reached eight. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's tremendous devastation. 
billions and billions of dollars in damage and loss. And that's just property and physical, you know, that's, that's not lives. People's memories destroyed, photos and um, the stuff that really are, are personal treasures, the stuff that's uh, invaluable, priceless. But I would encourage everybody, and this is an easy way to make a difference if you're not in the area and, can, and you're not boots on the ground, so to speak. And that's to donate money. And you can do it right from your cell phone. Yeah, if you text Harvey to 90999, and then it will send you a text and say, you need to confirm your $10 donation to the American Red Cross. You just push yes, and it adds that to your phone bill. You type yes, right? Yes. Yeah. Or you can say yes into your phone, and it will text it for you. <laughs> There's all kinds of new technology There these are, days. yeah. Just tell Siri. Uh-huh. And that's an easy way to just get money uh, to the American Red Cross, and they have stations set up where they're helping people. And I think they just tack it onto your bill, too. Yeah. So like Verizon or AT&T or whomever your, your carrier is, they give the money and then they just charge you for it. So it's easy. You don't have to write a check. You don't have to log on. There's no PayPal. You just text 90999 and you text the word Harvey, H-A-R-V-E-Y, Harvey. I would encourage everybody to do that. Um, imagine if it was you and your family who were in desperate straights water eight ten feet high in your house you had nowhere to go no prospects of how to make things better wouldn't you wish that someone was donating ten dollars to help your situation and the red cross despite all the bullshit that Brittany and i have been seeing online this weekend is a good organization. I looked them up on Charity Navigator, and over 90%, it's almost 91% of the proceeds that they that they take in go to the actual um, work of charity. Someone posted that 90% of their their the money they take in goes to administrative fees, and that's that's a fucking lie. That is conspiracy, that is easily debunkable if you go to charitynavigator.com. Over 90% of your $10 will go to their relief efforts. So if you can do it, please do. Again, text Harvey to 90999. We love you guys. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, as we just talked about, Hurricane Harvey has hit uh, Texas very, very hard. While it was happening on Friday night, Donald Trump decided to drop major news items on the world in an effort, at this very moment during Hurricane Harvey's arrival, in an effort to downplay it and hope that it wouldn't get as much coverage as it would. First... He pardoned Joe Arpaio. Back now with the political firestorm over President Trump's pardon of former Sheriff Joe Arpaio. The president announcing the move in a tweet just as Hurricane Harvey was bearing down on the country. Here's ABC's Mary Bruce. As Hurricane Harvey was hitting Texas, the president getting briefed, but also at the center of a political storm of his own making. 
first Friday evening signing that directive implementing his ban on transgender individuals from serving in the military. Then, hours later, with little fanfare, the president pardoned controversial former Arizona Sheriff Joe Arpaio. The 85-year-old was convicted of criminal contempt for ignoring a judge's order to stop using racial profiling to detain Latinos. He hadn't even been sentenced yet. I have fought on the front lines to prevent illegal immigration. But critics accuse him of blatant discrimination. Immigration advocates and human rights groups reacted swiftly. I'm angry. What Trump did today was pardon racism, white supremacy, and okayed the terror that Arpaio caused. In a statement, the White House praised Arpaio's admirable service to the nation. But Arizona Republican John McCain says the president's pardon undermines his claim for the respect of rule of law, adding that Arpaio has shown no remorse. On Twitter, Arpaio thanked the president for seeing my conviction for what it is, a political witch hunt. Tonight, the timing of the president's move is raising eyebrows. Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer is accusing him of using the cover of Hurricane Harvey to avoid scrutiny, tweeting, so sad, so weak. And tonight, there's been yet another departure from the administration. Controversial counterterrorism advisor Sebastian Gorka. Gorka has been a combative defender of the president's, but his exact role here has been somewhat unclear. Now, Gorka says he planned to resign, but administration sources tell us he was forced out. Tom? It was a busy Friday night there at the White House. All right, Mary? So we'll get to the Sebastian Gorka thing, because that was the second deal. But let's talk about Joe Arpaio. I knew that he was a bad guy, but I really didn't have the full width and breadth of his depravity, if you will. This is a man who detained illegally, violated the Fourth Amendment of the United States Constitution by detaining American citizens because he suspected that they were illegal immigrants. Yeah, he was known for doing sweeps where they would go into restaurants or businesses where he suspected that illegal immigrants were working and just harass people that were there that looked as though he believed they were illegal immigrants. Yeah, which is, you don't get to do that. And in 2013, a federal judge confirmed that he had been racially profiling Latinos. That's what he was doing convicted of criminal contempt of court but that's not even the worst of some of the things that he did i mean it's pretty bad but he also i mean he's lived a life of doing terrible things he staged and he staged an assassination attempt against himself yeah which is kind of weird he was leading the charge with donald trump uh, with the whole Obama birth certificate thing. Hang on. By staged an assassination attempt, what we mean is he faked it, made it look like it, so he would gin up support for him. Yeah. Yeah. A fake murder plot. Yeah. He, like I said, was leading the charge with the Obama birth certificate thing. Yeah. He actually sent a deputy to Hawaii to look for Obama's birth certificate. The racist conspiracy theory against Barack Obama. While he was so focused on harassing <laughs> American citizens, he let hundreds of sex abuse cases, uh, many involving children, go 
uninvestigated or just not dealt with. Because many of them did involve undocumented immigrants. And as far as he's concerned, they're less than human. They're less than, than needing protection under our constitution and system of laws. The Phoenix New Times on Twitter, at Phoenix New Times, posted a great thread of all of their coverage of him over the years. And he actually used to arrest them. He was arresting New Times yeah. reporters for covering him. And they actually won a $3.75 million settlement because he was doing that. So harassing people because he didn't like the coverage that he was receiving. Right. It's it's dictatorial. People would die in his prisons. He's known for having the tent cities, quote-unquote tent cities, where the prisoners are exposed to both low and high temperatures. They were freezing in the wintertime. They were dying of heat stroke in the summertime, where temperatures got to 120. And he called them, he called his tent cities concentration camps. Right. That's what he would call them. So it wasn't as though he was unaware of the conditions that he was holding uh, American citizens in. He was doing it on purpose, and people respect him for it. He also wouldn't feed them properly meatless diets, two meals a day, Yeah. skipping lunch. So it, it, here, here's the deal. If, you, if you're going to be in the business of incarcerating people who commit crimes, you need to be responsible for their well-being. Because while jail is certainly penance, it is punitive, it is not cruel and unusual based on what our Constitution says. And if you're going to be a man who enacts the laws, enforces the laws that are undergirded by our Constitution, you swear an oath to protect and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, then you have a responsibility to make sure that those under your care, in your custody, are well taken care of. And he neglected that. Yeah, there was an op-ed written in the LA Times today. It is by Max Boot. And he said that Donald Trump and Joe Arpaio are kind of two peas in a pod in terms of their racism and their lack of concern for the rule of law. Yeah. And so when you heard people on that news package crying and saying that this is an endorsement of racism, I mean, how else are people supposed to look at this situation and come away thinking anything different? This is happening after he was just in trouble for what he was saying about Charlottesville. Um, him having to go out and correct his statements because he didn't specifically address the neo-Nazi white supremacists that were terrorizing the streets and everything else that he's done cumulatively, talking about the Mexican judge that couldn't effectively do his job. Judge Curiel. All of these things. And then he pardons this guy. Pardons this guy without any counsel, which is normal course of, of business with, with, you, with, with a presidential pardon. The Justice Department typically does a background check. They they vet the case to see that everything was done correctly. Well, they didn't even have time to finish the case. Right. Well, that's the other thing is Donald Trump actually went to Jeff Sessions or someone high up in the Justice Department and asked them to drop the case altogether. And Jeff Sessions apparently didn't feel comfortable with that, didn't feel it was appropriate. So the case went forward. 
He was convicted. He wasn't even sentenced yet. He didn't even have time to get sentenced and then appeal the decision. So the normal course of business hadn't been gone through all the way before Donald Trump sent a clear and resounding message to everyone involved in the arrest investigation that you don't have to worry about it. Even if a judge convicts you, a jury convicts you, in this case with Arpaio, there was no jury. It was criminal contempt. But even if that happens, you don't even worry about it. I'll pardon you before you even get sentenced. That's scary. That is an abuse of power. Now, clearly, the president does have the power to pardon federal crimes, not state, but federal crimes. So he has the power, but we expect that our president is going to be noble enough and have enough respect for the Constitution and the system of the rule of law that we have that to not do something as blatant and in total disregard for our, our setup. This Washington Post article says, To Trump, however, Arpaio was an American hero, a man who enlisted in the military at age 18 after the outbreak of the Korean War. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't seem relevant in um, an assessment of, of what makes someone a hero to Donald Trump because John McCain. But also, this this guy is a bad person. And Donald Trump said he couldn't, he didn't have the heart to imagine him sitting in jail at age 84 or whatever how old he is. He did bad shit. Yeah. So what do you mean you don't have the heart to imagine an old man sitting in prison? Well, one of the things he said was because of his lifetime of service, his advanced age and lifetime of service. But if during your lifetime of service, you're, you're shitting on the Constitution and stepping on the rights of American citizens day after day, week after week, year after year... Your service doesn't count for anything. You deserve prison. He's lucky that the conviction was only criminal uh, contempt and not something greater. Like abuse, torture, dereliction of duty for not following up on sex crimes involving children. You fucking monster. Well, here's... Leave it to Anna Navarro, who is brilliant and wonderful, on CNN, butting heads with a Joe Arpaio apologist. I mean, Trump made it clear that institutional racism is not just okay with him, it is a goal. Anna? Yeah, I mean, the, look, I think the messages he sent with his pardon are chilling, frankly. First, let's talk about the message to the Latino community. I don't care about you. He has got to understand the symbolism of Joe Arpaio for so many of us. Certainly not all of us. And Trump has his supporters within the Latino community. A lot of them, my friends in Miami. But for the vast majority of Latinos, Joe Arpaio is a symbol of racism, of discrimination, of anti-Hispanic sentiment, anti-immigrant sentiment, abuse of power. And this is the guy that Donald Trump chose to pardon. I also want to talk about the message to law enforcement. You know what differentiates us from places like Maduro's Venezuela or Castro's Cuba or Duterte's uh, the Philippines? That here, government officials are held accountable when they behave like thugs. The message he's sending with this pardon to other government officials, to other law enforcement officials, is a very bad message. Michael? 
Oh, of course, the, the other message he's sending is that our Department of Justice under Obama, the most political Department of Justice in modern times, weaponized against people like Sheriff Arpaio. We are not like Venezuela, we're not like Cuba, and we're not going to stand for uh, political persecution like the Department of Justice took after Sheriff Arpaio. Uh, this is com completely constitutionally defensible. I think that the, 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 the people who are complaining about it today are going to be carping about everything Donald Trump does, even if there's a storm going on or anything else. I mean, he does have the constitutional right to pardon. Absolutely. It's his uh, right to pardon. Now, he took extraordinary steps here. He uh, did not take the advice of the uh, Justice Department. And another message that he's sending, let's think about the messages, is, you know, this issue that's been reported that he asked Jeff Sessions if they could drop the case against Arpaio. That is bone chilling. And let us remember that James Comey told us exactly the same thing. So I suspect that Mueller might be wondering right now on the abuse of power issue and what is going on with that, because this is now the second time that we are hearing Donald Trump has abused power by trying to drop uh, prosecution investigation against his political allies. How is asking a question of your cabinet an abuse of power and doing what they tell you should, that you should do? That's not an abuse of power. That's simply an inquiry. How is that? Some I am tired of that argument. When this happened with James Comey, when he said, ah, I hope you can see your way clear of letting Flynn go of dropping the investigation. When Donald Trump asked that of, of the FBI director, th that's what they all said. He was just asking a question. No, Dick. He's the president of the United States. It's not a guy. It's not like if I wrote a letter to Jeff Sessions and said, hey, I would I'd be really great if you dropped that case because I'm a nobody. I'm not the president of the United States of America suggesting, inquiring. It's just stupid thing that, that, that he's done wrong. Listen, Donald Trump does not do simple inquiries. James Comey did not uh, project it as a simple inquiry. We don't know what happened with Jeff Sessions, but I'm pretty sure somebody's going to ask. Oh, but, but Governor Granholm, you're a former attorney general. What do you make of it all? Yeah, no, I mean, you don't breach the wall of justice like that. You don't. I mean, By asking honestly, a question. I, but, you know, it's more than asking a question. And obviously he didn't even go back and, and go through the proper procedures that every other president has done when you pardon somebody. He just decides to do this. But honestly, Jake, this is this caps out a period of time for this president where he's alienated African-Americans with the Charlottesville, the Jewish community with his Charlottesville comments, the LGBT community this week with his this banning of transgender soldiers, and now the Hispanic community. Uh, today, Joe Biden came out with an uh, uh, article in The Atlantic saying this is about the soul of our nation. John Danforth, when he penned his op-ed this week, former was a Republican, Republican, Republican senator saying from Missouri. essentially the same thing. This is about the soul he was talking about of the Republican Party. I, I so appreciate your courage, Anna, in standing up. I so appreciate those like you who are willing to call out the president face to face by name and saying this is not who we are as a nation. And I would say to you and to everybody like you, 
Consider coming over. Let no, me ask no, you. We, me... we need to stay in the Republican <laughs> well, Party. But because, you've already gone. But because because people, no, actually, I was a Republican <laughs> when the president knew support was a Democrat. <laughs> and I was a Republican <laughs> when the president knew support was an independent. If you're a Republican, so, I'm Luis Fonsi. Come maybe on, you are Luis like... Fonsi. You can start singing Despacito here. <laughs> but <laughs> I am a Republican. I supported Ronald Reagan. I've supported every yeah. single Republican nominee and, for and president. And donated to every. I mean, so to has Menendez, the president. Yeah, I supported to, Bob Menendez. You know what? So did Jared Kushner. So did Charlie Kushner. So did Donald Trump. Right. Okay. okay, so that doesn't bother you? No, it doesn't. Do you know bother how to spell me. hypocrracy? Oh, or should I spell it out for I'm you? Just te- I'm just telling you that what all this charge yeah, of racism Donald against. Donald Trump supported Nancy Pelosi. Donald Trump had Hillary Clinton at his wedding. Donald Trump had Bill Clinton at his wedding. And you're going to accuse me? I'm just telling you, you don't represent the Republican view. No, anymore. I don't. I, I, you proudly, have for quite some time. I proudly represent the Trumpist view. And Donald Trump is not a Republican. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let, me, let, me, let me ask another question about this. President. Uh, <clears throat> let me ask this question about. Uh, I love him grumbling. <laughs> like the Republican president. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, he just got told. So, yeah, of did. course, he's a little angry. Uh, I wonder. I mean, I-, I wonder about the value. We'll kind of deter- uh, sidetrack here. But I wonder what the what the value would be of her staying in the Republican far- Party versus doing what I've done and becoming officially a Democrat. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there might be value to her sticking around. But the problem is what her motivation is if it's really to try to drag the party left then that's good i think more align it with the the principles of liberty and and the protection of the individual over the government which is what the republican party has become it's the protector of the power of the government which is not why i signed up to begin with so So one last thing on this Joe Arpaio deal. His very first stop, media-wise, he did go on Hannity, of course, which is expected. But his very first stop was Alex Jones and InfoWars. If this gives you any indication of where Joe Arpaio stands on the spectrum. But the bigger story is, as I said earlier, Trump didn't know about this. Because they've got him so isolated. Uh, former sheriff of Maricopa County, former uh, federal agent in the DEA, Sheriff Arpaio, uh, thank you for joining us. Wow, thanks for giving us the exclusive. You've got the floor. Uh, what it's like to see this, to see Trump come through, how they've got the CIA on TV saying they want to kill him. I mean, this country's already in a civil war, and the Democrats started it. Well, I want to thank you, uh, Alex, and uh, your staff, uh, Jerry Corsi, Roger Stone for bringing this uh, story out and reaching the uh, uh, president. And, you know, I supported him from, uh, what, two years ago at the same forum that he did yesterday. And I'm with him, and I'm with him to the end. I feel sorry what's happening to him. But, you know, especially the media, what they're doing to him, every time he does anything, they pick on him. But uh, you and your station... You get out there and you tell it like it is. You break stories. Sometimes you take heat. But you know, in the long run, you're right. And you started this by saying an abuse of uh, the system, abuse of the political system. I can go on and on. And I'll be talking about that, uh, about this whole situation uh, in the near future. I understand. You don't want to open a new case by making comments about it right now. So... (laughs) 
Exasperation from Brittany Page. Well, again, this scares me because Joe Arpaio and Donald Trump became buddies when the whole Obama birth certificate thing happened. Yeah. And now, and we already know that Donald Trump has appeared on InfoWars. Yeah. And Joe Arpaio goes on InfoWars. And I mean, just this connection to Donald Trump is troubling. It's insane troubling. It is beyond, it's not just like, yeah, that's curious. It's what in the fuck is going on when a president of the United States is appearing on InfoWars, which believe Sandy Hook was a, a, a false flag. They believe 9-11 was an inside job. That is beyond insanity. And then Joe Arpaio is thanking Alex Jones for getting the message to Donald Trump. Yeah. Thank you, Alex Jones, for getting a message to the President of the United States. Alex Jones, who may be yeah. the most unstable person in America. Did you see that video this weekend of him in Seattle? Yes. Like, ru- bum-rushing people on the streets, running yes. at a full sprint across the street. Yeah. Towards. Let me tell you something. If I tell Alex Jones to fuck off on the street, and I cross the street, and he comes barreling across the street at me. You're going to hug him? Somebody's getting punched right in their stupid fucking face, and I am justified. Because I don't know what that guy's going to do. He's un- he's unhinged. Mm-hmm. Luckily, he was in Seattle with a bunch of peaceniks who didn't punch him in his goddamn face. I don't think it would be... I, I think you could argue that if someone's running at you full speed, that, that you don't know what they were about to do. So, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Absolutely. So you could use force to stop them, probably. It's When you watch him run, I'm like, what's he going to do to this guy? Yeah. And uh, it's Alex Jones coming at go you. Go find that video. It's the one where he gets the coffee dumped on him, which yeah. I don't believe... I don't believe that that was, that was real. I think that that was someone that he had do that. Well, he didn't even act upset that he had coffee poured on him. No, and it was... It was it was too weird. You think maybe the whole thing serious. was staged? Uh, it's possible. False flag. Yeah. You're hearing it here first, folks. Fake news. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to the, well, this is just what happened Friday, everybody. We haven't even got past Friday evening here on the West Coast. The other thing that got dropped within minutes of this Joe Arpaio news is that Sebastian Gorka was out at the White House. Several big headlines coming out of the White House just in the last couple of days. Among them, the departure of White House aide Sebastian Gorka. He had served as a counterterrorism advisor to the president, and he was dismissed on Friday. Now, he says he resigned. White House officials say otherwise. And Gorka now joins a, a, a list of White House aides who have left just in the last month or so. We're talking about Press Secretary Sean Spicer, uh, Chief of Staff Reince Priebus, Chief Strategist Steve Bannon, uh, now Sebastian Gorka joining that list. I should note that after the departure of Bannon earlier this month, sources said that Gorka too uh, was on thin ice. Gorka was part of the nationalist populist uh, wing of the West Wing led uh, by Steve Bannon. And so it is perhaps not too surprising to see him now out of the White House. So did he resign? Did he get fired? Either way, he was pushed out. That's yeah, what happened here. That's right. Well, so, a lot of times what happens when someone leaves the White House, they, 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 they're given the option to save face and resign when really they were shit canned. So either way, 
it was the choice of the president that he was fucking out of there. It was the choice of more than likely John Kelly. Yeah, I would not say that it was the choice of the president. I would say it's likely that John Kelly was pressuring him and told him and he reluctantly agreed. Yeah, to do well, that. I'm just I'm still in the habit of thinking that the president is a reasonable person. And I mean, the, the office of the president, it, I, I'm just still under the <laughs> under the habit Force of habit to say that that is the case. Right. It's, it's not the case. Uh, no. No. So it, what we're seeing here is, one, a fundamental change of the staffing of the White House at the hands of John Kelly. But also, because of Charlottesville, we're seeing kind of a revolt, kind of mutiny within the, the, the high ranks of the administration, starting with Gary Cohn, who said some things that I think the president, he might be the first to go. Tonight, the president's top economic advisor, Gary Cohn. He might be the next to go. Tonight, the president's top economic advisor, Gary Cohn, a Jewish American, breaking with the president over his Charlottesville response. Cohn telling the Financial Times the administration can and must do better in consistently and unequivocally condemning these groups and do everything we can to heal the deep divisions that exist in our communities. This after the president seemed to equate white supremacists and neo-Nazis with counter-protesters very fine people on both sides. A source close to Cohn tells NBC News he even drafted a letter of resignation but never submitted it. Cohn describing his distress over the matter but says he ultimately decided I will not allow neo-Nazis ranting Jews will not replace us to cause this Jew to leave his job. The White House trying to lower the temperature. Gary has not held back uh, how he feels about um, the situation. He's been very open and honest, and so I don't think that anyone was surprised by the comments. The president also expanding his roster of targets today in his own party, taking aim at longtime ally Senator Bob Corker for his post-Charlottesville criticism. The president has not yet been able to demonstrate the stability uh, nor some of the competence that he needs to demonstrate in order to be successful. The president tweeting, strange statement by Bob Corker, considering that he is constantly asking me whether or not he should run again in 18. Tennessee, not happy. Earlier this week, the president slammed the Speaker of the House and the Senate's top Republican. When you are constantly engaged in circular firing squads, it's impossible to ever line up your troops and march forward with any sort of policy agenda. And what she said there at the end is pretty true. That even this White House, that is constantly in disarray. Look, look let, let's put it this way. A normal White House, which is a well-oiled machine run by highly professional, intelligent people, would be in disarray because of all of this, this chaos. It has to be completely debilitating relative to getting uh, an agenda through with all of this going on. I but, just go ahead. I just imagine Donald Trump kind of being very uninvolved in what's going on around him. That everyone else is making moves and he's just sitting there looking at Twitter, yeah, and playing Candy Crush. Right. <laughs> you think he's a Candy Crush guy, huh? I don't know. Uh, possibly. Seems pretty. You could just check out and do it. It doesn't take a lot of, you know, it's not a lot of strategy. Yeah, well, that's what he does on Twitter as He's well. He's not an Angry Birds guy. Yeah. 
Although, I mean, I, I don't want to say that he checks out and goes on Twitter because I think that some of his tweets are meant to do what they what they have done. Yeah, I, I still don't know. I still think that there's a chance that he's just so erratic that it happens and then it's just part of his personality. That he doesn't it's not strategy. It's just he's an asshole. Hmm. I don't know. I, I still don't know. Mm-hmm. Some days I think one, some things I some days I think the other. Yeah. But it's not just Jerry, Gary Cohn. Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State of these United States, was on with Chris Wallace, Fox News, talking about the president's reaction in the wake of the Charlottesville tragedy, insanity. And Tillerson said something remarkable. Uh, Finally, and I've got a little over a minute left, uh, the controversy over uh, the racial protests in Charlottesville and the president's response to it has become an international issue. Uh, A U.N. committee this week criticized the Trump administration for, quote, its failure at the highest political level to unequivocally reject and condemn the racist violent events and demonstrations. And here was the president in Phoenix this week talking more about the media than he was about the neo-Nazis and the Klan. Here he is. The only people giving a platform to these hate groups is the media itself and the fake news. Does that make it harder for you to push American values around the world when some foreign leaders question the president's values? Uh, Chris, we express America's values from the State Department. We represent the American people. We represent America's values, our commitment to freedom, our commitment to equal treatment of people the world over, and that message has never changed. And when the president gets into the kind of controversy he does and the U.N. committee responds the way does, it seems to say they, they begin to doubt our, whether we're living those values. I don't believe anyone doubts the American people's values or the commitment of the American government or the government's agencies to advancing those values and defending those values. And and the president's values? The president speaks for himself, Chris. Are you separating yourself from that, sir? I've spoken, I've made my own comments as to our values as well in a speech I gave to the State Department this past week. The president speaks for himself. Which let's let's deconstruct that. What that means is the president doesn't speak for the country. The president doesn't speak for the American people. The president only speaks for himself. I, as the Secretary of State, speak for the American people. Because I speak reasonably. And the president does not. There is frustration, palpable frustration, on the part of Rex Tillerson, who is no saint... But he is kind of classic politics where you might not like George W. Bush's politics. He might have done some terrible shit. But it's the course of running the country. It's not aligning himself with white supremacy. White supremacy terrorist groups. It's just politics. Well, and it's kind of an admission that... Donald Trump is out of control that I don't want to align myself with what he's saying. Please leave me out of it. Um, He's he's on his own. 
Well, it makes, you, it makes you wonder who's next to go. Gary Cohn, Tillerson. It, it wasn't just them, though. <laughs> the Secretary of Defense made kind of an impromptu speech that was recorded and put on Facebook to some junior, I'm assuming Marines, but just junior service members. Private, PFC, Lance Corporals, probably some corporals and sergeants in there. But junior Marines, the lifeblood of the Marine Corps or the Army, the services, the ones who get the work done, these weren't officers. These were just troops. But, uh, well done to you. It's good to see you all out here, young man. For those of you I haven't met, my name's Mattis. Uh, I, I work at the Department of Defense, obviously. Good to see you there. And uh, thanks for being out here, okay? I know at times you wonder if any of us know, and you get promoted after a while, and you're so remote that uh, you get out of touch with those of you who matter. But believe me, I know you're far from home, every one of you. I know you could all be going to college, you young people, or you could be back on the block. Uh, just uh, grateful. The only way... The only way this great big experiment you call you and I call America is going to survive is if we got uh, tough hombres like you. And uh, you remember, some of you are too young, Corporal Walton, but on 9-11, we were acting up against an enemy that thought if he hurt us, he could scare us. But we don't freaking scare. That's the bottom line. And uh, we'll go out here, we'll fight alongside our, our friends and allies. Uh, and we're going to keep right on fighting until they're sick of us and leave us alone. And you're buying time. You're a great example for our country right now. It's got some problems. You know it and I know it. It's got problems that we won't, we don't have in the military. And you just, you just hold the line, my fine young soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines. Oh, you just hold the line until our country gets back to understanding and respecting each other and showing it being friendly to one another, you know, that Americans owe to one another. We're so doggone lucky to be Americans. And we got two powers, power of inspiration, and we'll get the power of inspiration back. We got the power of intimidation, and that's you if someone wants to screw with our families and our country or our allies, okay? So thanks so much for being out here. I He's completely to my surprise. I'm off in La La Land <laughs> So uh, that's good. Keep the old guys like me guessing. The only reason I came back off, off of, I flunked retirement, okay? <laughs> the only reason I came back to serve alongside young people like you who are so selfless and, frankly, so rambunctious. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be around you all. You take care of each other out here, okay? We call them in the Naval, so you take care of your shipmates out here, okay? Take care of each other. It can get old, it can get hot, you can get sloppy, you can get complacent. Don't let it happen, okay? Oh, 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 oh. God bless America. Yeah. God bless America, sir. <laughs> thank, thank you. Uh, thank, thank you. you Thanks, all of you. Listen to your NCOs now. Come on. <laughs> NCOs, for those of you who don't know, are non-commissioned officers. Enlisted ranks. So some of that, if you listen closely, you probably don't agree with. That the country's dealing with problems right now that we don't have in the military. That's not true. But this wasn't a policy speech. This was trying to motivate young 
junior members of the military. But the problematic part of what he said relative to Donald Trump is this. He just holds the line until our country gets back to understanding and respecting each other and showing it, being friendly to one another. This is sideways criticism of the President of the United States without coming out and saying that our President is a dick. Our president is a problem. Our president is breeding a culture within our country that is untenable. That is what that is. So he has major members of his administration, Donald Trump does, who are not in lockstep with the way he thinks, the way he behaves, the way he communicates. And that's a big deal. When both your Secretary of State and your, de your, your Defense Secretary are disagreeing with you, are publicly saying things that don't align with you. So my question is, who's next to go? I don't think Donald Trump's going to let Mattis go. That would be a disaster. But could it be Tillerson or Cohn, someone else? The list is long of those who have, who have uh, departed the administration already. Mike Dubke, of course, the first communications director of the White House is gone. Mike Flynn, national security advisor, gone under investigation by the FBI, the Justice Department. And with Mike Flynn went... KT McFarlane, who is now the ambassador to Singapore, but out of the National Security Council. Ezra Cohen-Watnick was also a Mike Flynn person. They're gone. Tara Dahl, former Breitbart person, brought on as National Security Council or National Security Advisor staff. They're gone. Derek Harvey and Rich Higgins, who wrote a, who wrote a memo, also a Flynn person, wrote a memo about how the deep state, quote-unquote, and globalists were trying to turn against the president. They're also gone. And that was just the Mike Flynn people. Remember James Comey, Sean Spicer, Reince Priebus, the Mooch, Anthony Scaramucci, Steve Bannon, and now Gorka, all gone. This is chaos personified. This administration, Donald Trump. Who's next? All right. Well, listen, we are going to end it there that we still have two stories to cover. But since this is hashtag third episode, we're going to get to all of this new Russia news. These new Russia reports. We're going to wrap our brains around them and we're going to talk about them on Wednesday morning. So Wednesday afternoon, you'll have episode 333. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Listen, if you I keep saying this phrase, if you've been on the fence about supporting the show, helping produce the show, we would love to have you on board with Patreon. You can go to dollamore.com slash Patreon or dollamore.com slash PayPal if you're more of a one-time donation type of listener. What we do and the rate at which we do it is solely because of the generous support of our listeners, and we appreciate every single penny, not one, goes to waste. You can also buy your very own 
I doubt it with Dollar Moore t-shirt, classy laid t-shirt, you're the puppet, branded merchandise. Go to dollamore.info and help support the show that way. Thanks, you guys. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. I give you permission to think that mm. way. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs>